Welcome to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Now your hosts, doctor and pastor of Grace and Truth Church in Amherst, Michael Caesar, and co-host Johnny D. Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. And welcome to another edition of the What is Truth radio program here on Thanksgiving weekend. Hope you're having a wonderful time with your family and giving thanks to the Lord for the blessings that we have as we live in America. God's been very good to us. We were out on the streets the other day with the Patriots and the flag is red, white and blue. And somebody was saying the history of that flag is you'll see the red stripes surround the white stripes because the red, the blood of Christ, makes us clean white Amen. and the uh the blue pictures heaven and the little stars is us going there one day so i hope you had a good thanksgiving weekend giving thanks to god and this is uh pastor michael caesar here in the studio uh, as always to be with you every sunday morning at seven o'clock and today i have my uh, bible scholar with me he's not a scholar no. he's just a student yes <laughs> brother mark sassy good to have good you morning. brother good morning and we've been working our way through the acts of the apostles so if you have some uh, free time and you can grab your uh, Bible, go to the New Testament. And after the four gospels, the book, the Acts of the Apostles, and we've been working our way through these missionary journeys. And they're very exciting to see how God worked 2000 years ago. And by the way, that God has not changed. He will still work today. He will make a missionary out of you, um, let's say in your own home, so that you can make a journey to the folks in your home and tell them the truth. And we're going to follow in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul, who is our Apostle. That's if you're a Gentile. Uh, Paul is the Apostle to the Gentiles. We're learning some great things. And if you like these shows and you want to share them with a friend and they miss, uh, go to the website that sponsors us. It's Grace and Truth Church. Along, i got to spell out all those Grace and Truth Church. Dot org and up will come the homepage. Click on the sermons tab, click on YouTube, and you will uh, see the programs called What is Truth. And you can listen along with us. And today we're up to chapter Acts. 18. Acts chapter 18. Go ahead, brother. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned Thanksgiving is tomorrow because we're taping this on, on Wednesday, Wednesday before yeah. Thanksgiving. And you know, Thanksgiving is basically the story in America about how the pilgrims were thankful to God that they survived their first winter, Absolutely. which was a very big struggle. And not everybody did in those early settlements. No. A lot no. of people perished, but so they had a good reason to give thanks. We have a good reason to give thanks every day, but this, this Thanksgiving, this once a year is a big deal to really consider what God has provided for us all the time. Sure. Our, our founders made it a, a national holiday of Thanksgiving to God. Amen. And, and they, honored it regularly and they even saw to it that the folks could take a day off of work to spend time thanking God. And Amen. it's a good thing to do. Amen. And we see two chapters ago, back in Acts 16, that the gospel entered into Europe. Yep. And then though many of those Europeans that heard the gospel, somehow some of them ended up on the Mayflower and came over to America and then they were thankful to God, and they had heard the gospel generations before because, like we saw in the book of Acts, it came through there. And here we are where Paul, in chapter 18, he's traveling from Athens to Corinth. Let's read the first few verses, sure. and then we'll see where you, we're at. You want me to read or do you want to read? Uh, I'll read to six. Go right we'll ahead, go. brother. So Acts 18, the Bible says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens, and he came to Corinth. 
and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. That's that's the Emperor Claudius Caesar he's talking about. The Roman around, Emperor. Around uh, between 50 and 65 AD, yeah. Amen. And so Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and they came unto them. And because he, that would be Paul, was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought. For by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, that would be up north, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth, I will go unto the Gentiles. Mm, I'm going to stop there for a second. Yeah. So in, in the first verse, we see that Paul went from Athens and he went to Corinth. So he went a little bit to the like the southwest. Yep. And he's in the southern part of Greece. Yep. And it's a lot of Gentiles, but there's some Jews there too and some synagogues. It was a big uh, city with a harbor and uh, there was a lot of commerce done. As we know through the history of mankind, one of the easiest way to move freight is through water, on water. Yeah. And so uh, they, any area that a city was near water, any body of water, it was uh, beneficial. They could have ships going in and out. And so people from all over coming from Asia to Europe, uh, Europe to other parts of, let's say, Italy, sailing through the Mediterranean. Corinth was a great place for them to rest. And so there were obviously Gentiles and there were Jews. Jews are are smart people. They're yeah. good merchants. God gave them a good mind. And God told them in the book of uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah, he said, there's going to be times when you're not living in the land of Israel and you can go, he said, to Babylon, he told them, meaning a foreign uh, Gentile nation and have a house and have children and work with the people there. And of course, God's desire was they'd always tell those folks about the true God. Amen. Yeah. And so Corinth was just north of the island of uh, Crete mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In, in the Mediterranean Sea. Yep. And it's a beautiful area. And like you said, there's a really nice harbor there yep. near Corinth. And so it's just a natural, a kind of a natural place for uh, merchandise to come and go through, you yeah. know, trade. It's curious in verse two that it says uh, that the Jews had to depart from Rome because of Caesar, right? Yes. Because yes. of Claudius. And it's showing, the Bible's showing one more time that God's people, the Jews, are persecuted one more time. Yes, yes, the persecution of the Jews, uh, okay, or the persecution of God's people, I think you said first. Yeah. God's people. Uh, the world, uh, by uh, wisdom, Paul said later, writing to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, he wrote a, an epistle to these people, uh, said, the world by wisdom knew not God. Uh, the, the, the wisdom of the world doesn't teach us how to know God. The wisdom of the world teaches us how to know the world. And, and the Bible says that the things that are in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, these are things that our flesh likes, but they're contrary to God's ways. Yeah. And, and when someone comes along and starts talking about God, a Jew here in Rome talking about God and the Romans say, wait, we're building our empire. And the Jews are saying, yeah, but 
we have an Old Testament and God says he's going to build his empire one day. And we don't want to hear that. Right. We're not looking for opposition. What are you going to start an army? Why don't you get out of here before you cause any trouble? And so, yeah, they were commanded to well, depart. Yeah. The Romans were ruling the known world. Yes. And they weren't going to let anybody in on it. Right. They were going to control everything and they were yes. going to keep a firm control. Yes. So there we see it. Um, in verse four, it mentions both the Jews and the Greeks. And uh, you were saying earlier, uh, before we went on air, just that uh, the Jews, the Old Testament Jews, they had the word of God. Yes. And they had it in the scrolls, in, in the synagogues, Absolutely. and they would read it every Sabbath day. But they would allow proselytes, they would allow strangers to come in and to hear the word of God and to come to the the real God. Well, that well, that was actually God's great desire with them. I'm going all the way back to when the Lord came down on Mount Sinai and he spoke to the Jews. Mm. And, and he told them, uh, this is in uh, Exodus chapter 19. And, and uh, here God is uh, telling Moses, verse 3, Moses went up to God and the Lord called him out of the mountain. It's Mount Sinai. And he said, thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. You know, you read earlier in the book, they were in bondage. Yes. And God broke off the shackles of the uh, Egyptian empire. And, and he said, verse five, now if, and here it is, if you obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure to me above all the people of the earth, for, for the earth is mine, and you'll be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And my desire is, since I've shown you the truth, Israel, you'll tell the other people. I mean, the Egyptians had all those gods. Yes. The nations, the Canaanites, the Philistines had other gods. And the job of, of a Jew was to tell them. So, so where you were in Acts 19, you said they had a synagogue. And Paul comes to this new town, city, Corinth. And he goes into a synagogue where there are some Jews. But he also said there are Greeks there. Because some Jews probably told their neighbors, hey, the true God is found in the words that we have in the scrolls at our synagogue. Would you like to come here? Amen. And some people have an interest. I wonder if the listeners have an interest. That's what God wants. Well, it's the goodness of God yeah. that leads men to repentance, the Bible says. And when you consider that these are Jews and Greeks, the Greeks, they didn't know God. They didn't have his word. They didn't have the simple Ten Commandments. Correct. Right. And when you just look at the simple Ten Commandments and you see what God says, it's for good. Absolutely. They're for our good. And people look at them like they're restrictions and stuff, but they're restrictions from getting hurt, you know, and yeah. hurting others. So now one of the things I found interesting about the fourth verse, um, Paul goes to the synagogue in the synagogue on the Sabbath, because they would meet on Saturdays. That's what God told them to do in, in Exodus chapter 20. Right. And they're meeting on the seventh day of the week. He reasoned with them. And the Bible always talks about us reasoning with someone God wants to make friends of reasonable people. Amen. And reason makes sense. It's, it's reasonable to think if I, uh, let's with my automobile, if I do preventive maintenance, it'll last me longer than if I ignore it. It's a reasonable thing. Yes. Okay. God is saying, look, I want to reason with you about how to care for your body and your soul through the scriptures. So the best thing we'll do is, um, I'm going to reason with you out of the scriptures now, the thing that struck me is it says, verse four, and Paul reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. 
And then verse five, but when Silas and Timothy came from North, Paul was pressed to tell the Jews that Jesus was Christ. I think the initial things he was reasoning about was not the gospel. He was reasoning about some of the Old Testament truths about God is the creator. Amen. Uh, there uh, to the, the uh, Gentile Greeks, you know, and there really are angels. And, and in the Old Testament, uh, God talks about when he gets angry, it kindles a fire in hell. And, and, and you know, God promised one day there'll be a, re- a resurrection. And he may have been, and the Ten Commandments, you don't know about those. Let me reason with you about those. They're good for you. And I think he was talking about things from the Old Testament. But when his buddies came, there was a combining of the spirits. Yes. People, Jesus sends people out two by two. And working alone sometimes... There's something about working with, like I'm working with you. Yeah. It's stronger for me to work with you than to work alone. Absolutely. You probably found it on the street. Well, the Bible says iron strengtheneth iron as yeah. one man sharpeneth another. There that you kind go. of a thing. And, and so when you bounce ideas off of, off of your friends, and in this case, Silas and Timotheus in verse five, they were the, his friends in giving out the gospel yeah. on, in his missionary journey. So it says Paul was pressed in the spirit and he testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. I mean, Silas and Timothy probably came to the first um, Sabbath day and showed up when Paul had been there maybe three weeks in a row. And Paul's been reasoning with them out of the Old Testament. And they come and Silas and Timothy were studying under Paul. And they go, man, wait, wait till we go to the synagogue and Paul's really going to tell them about the gospel <laughs> and tell them about Jesus. And what's he doing? He's talking about creation and they're looking at him and he's looking at them and he's going, you know, I, I got to move on to the New Testament. Yeah. And now he presses the New Testament because the need today is the better covenant and the better testament. And so uh, I'm not it, saying Paul's it, it, slipping it, here, but I see the humanity of Paul. He's a human like the rest of us. And the he encouragement. Needs support. The we encouragement. need encouragement. Yeah. We need support. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of that, too, when he first came to Corinth, he ran into, uh, it says, a certain Jew named Aquila yes. right, and his wife Priscilla. Yes. And Aquila and Priscilla, they're, they're mentioned other parts throughout the scripture. They became friends. Yes, they did. They, they worked together. They were tent makers. And they're mentioned, I, I wrote it down here, in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, he mentions them. In 2 Timothy 4, 19, he mentions. Yes. But in Romans, at the end of the book of Romans, in chapter 16, verse 3, he says this phrase. He says, for my life laid down their own necks. That means they were willing to sacrifice things to help Paul. Amen. And they, they became friends. And and Christians become friends with other Christians. I can relate to that, where you know I've gone out and done preaching and different things with uh, other friends, and it makes a strong bond, strong friendship. Yeah. And and I think the coming together of the Spirit, Paul, uh, God was telling the Jews in the Old Testament, if I can get five of you together, you can chase a thousand. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, a, a bringing together of the Spirit, and it's a multiplying effect. And here... Now we've got Silas, Timothy, Paul, Aquila, Priscilla, and all five of them. And now, boom, here comes the strong preaching of the gospel. The boldness. That Jesus is the Christ, because that's what the Jews needed to hear. You're looking for your Messiah. I've been reasoning with you that the Messiah was promised in the Old Testament, but you know it's the Jesus that's the Christ. Amen. And then all of a sudden, when they heard, then they opposed him. You know, I got to stop and pause for a second. In those days, the Romans were controlling everything, and nobody could oppose them, right? Correct. The Roman army was unstoppable. Right. And 
in our day, people feel like there's this oppression, especially since after COVID throughout the world, there's oppression that kind of travels not just in America, but all over. And, and people are looking for uh, a better way, a way out. They want somebody to fix everything because there's such a mess going on. They want somebody to fix things and they want somebody to come in and save the system. Sure. Right. Like to get back to normal because this new normal ain't fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and here 2000 years ago, Paul is testifying to them that Jesus is Christ. He's the savior. He's the the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the one. Right. And in our day, the same kind of message. Jesus is the savior personally. Un- unquestionably. Yeah. Personally, right. he's, he's the savior that he, he saves each and every one of us. If we'll just believe on him, right. Yes. His work on the cross. And once you believe on that, it's more than just a personal salvation. He's coming back a second time. Yes. He will fix everything. And he's the only one that can. Yes. Yes. So it is interesting here. Here we come 2000 years later. At the end of verse five, when he did testify, what happened in verse six? Yeah, it says that when they opposed themselves, isn't that an interesting phrase? Now, why is it that they imposed themselves, opposed themselves and they blasphemed? and, And I look at that and it's like, it would be good for them to receive this message. Yes. It would be beneficial and prosperous for them to receive this message. And yet they oppose it. And so really they're hurting themselves. Yes. That's it. We, we hurt ourselves when we don't listen to truth. It's a funny thing. Parents have experienced this. Um, Maybe it's more common today, but when we were growing up years ago, because we grew up in the 60s, 70s, um, back then drugs were not as common not nearly. Not, not really. There were some, I mean, the I, 60s, I, some, but not like today. Okay. But but let's say in my particular high school, if I looked at the, the, the kids in my high school, maybe 10%, if that, experimented with drugs. It might yeah. not even be 10. It might only have been 5% back then. I mean, it was rare. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, police were still against it. It was against the law. Right. I mean, you couldn't take marijuana. You couldn't uh, do any of the other kind of drugs, uh, cocaine and stuff like that. All right. So uh, any good parent would say to their child, don't try this. However, you get on a Friday night. I remember I was at a Friday night once. Um, <laughs> some rich kids that lived in a mansion on LeBron, if anybody knows where that is. Yeah, I know where that is. It's a Near big mansion. Hospital. Their, their, um, their uh, parents went away for the weekend and they decided to have a party. Uh, I was a senior in high school at the time and they, they wanted to have a party there. And at the time they wanted music. And I said, well, I play piano. And they said, we'll pay you if you'll get a little group together. So I got a bass player and a drummer and we played piano. They cleared the living room. They were dancing. They were playing. They're going up in the bedroom. They were doing things. They were coming down with drugs. They were doing stuff. And um, they were trying to entice those who weren't doing drugs to try to take drugs. Yeah. Peer pressure. Yeah. Peer pressure. The fear yeah. of man. And they and they were that's what they were doing. And, you know, a parent telling his 17 year old, you don't want to do it. They oppose themselves when they listen to those kids. And they go up and take something that's bad for their body. You're opposing yourself. You're hurting yourself. Nothing good's going to come from that drug. Right. I mean, you might have a momentary high, but the after effect and the damage it does to the liver and the brain and other parts of the body is, and the lungs is not healthy. The lifelong, I know Pastor Fletcher Brothers used to talk about how it's the teenage trap. Okay. Yeah. Drugs. It's the teenage trap. And, yeah. and he was 
very good at caring for, loving, and yet disciplining teenagers yep. and shaping them into young men and young women to have a good, fruitful life, godly Amen. life. Amen. And he, you know, he just hated that that teenage trap of drugs. And and when we do the wrong thing, we oppose ourselves. Yeah, we're ultimately hurting ourselves. I mean, what good is going to come? Again, they're saying in the 1960s when the data came out that smoking causes cancer, I thought no one's going to smoke again. Now it took 30 years to figure that out because it took it takes about 30 years. They call it 20 pack years. If you smoke for 20 pack years, you significantly increase the chance. It's a delayed effect of cancer that happens. It takes quite a while for it to harm the mitochondria and the cells inside your lungs. But it happens. But nobody knew that. But in the 60s, once we knew, I said, no one's going to do that. And how many kids oppose themselves and, 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 and do it? And it's a lot of times when they're teenagers. I mean, that's the time when it happens. And in my case, I'll just say this because I think this is so foreign to most of the kids today. Yeah. When I was about 16 years old, my older brother, who was six years older than me, so he was about 22 at the time, and he was a real serious 22-year-old. Okay. He came up to me privately and he says, uh, Mark, I just know that, you know, at this age, at age 16, you might think about, you know, drugs with your friends, this kind of thing. He goes, I just want to let you know, if I ever catch you the first time, not the second or third, the first time I catch you, he says, I'm not going to go tell dad. I'm not going to go tell well, mom. Thank you, brother. <laughs> I am not going to tell them at all. He says, I'm coming after you. And he goes, I'm going to beat you into the ground and I'm not joking. He really cared for you. He did. And you know what? I remember that distinctly because he was coming at me forcefully because he cared. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Now here they are opposing themselves because they're hearing the truth. Uh, Jesus told uh, Thomas, Thomas says, I don't know the way. He said, Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And Paul is testifying this Jesus is the Messiah who's the way and the truth and the life. And they're opposing that message, which is only going to hurt them because they're choosing to believe error rather than truth. Yeah, they believe superstitions. They believe lies. Maybe religion. Religion. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. And it goes on exactly the same way today. People have Bibles, don't read them. Okay. Have Bibles, don't listen to it or spend all their time on the internet with their phones and right. yet no time for checking out the real truth of God's word. And, 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 you know, they talk about how, how can you sift through the internet to find out what's true and what's not true? Well, according to the Bible, that's how you would know. Sure. And, and we'll hold a sign that says Jesus saves or Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. And they'll oppose themselves saying, well, that's good for you, but I don't need it. And yet, that's the great need of all of us. Like it said earlier in the book, there's uh, none other name under heaven given among men whereby we we must be saved. Amen. Because by our, our very birth, we're going to go astray. We all go astray. Yes. And and we'll commit sin as we go astray. And the wages of our sin is death. Death. And and God, faithful, he'll he'll pay us. Amen. Yeah. He wants us to come to him. Amen. And, and, and trust him. And yeah. you know. As far as trusting his word, I tell people all the time, look, there's no other book other than a King James Bible that has perfect prophecy. Amen. And none of those prophecies have been broken. Never. Any of the ones from the past that have already happened, there's none of them that are wrong, none that have been broken. But that's not just the only thing. That's just one thing where God proves himself. The other thing is the fact that there's stuff in this book that goes back before the early days of science. Yes, 
that accurate history. There's history, accurate history. There's accurate science. There's accurate archaeology. All these different things prove plus mathematics. Yes. Proves the Bible. So anyway, so all that stuff. Then in verse six, he's kind of fed up and he says, you know what? Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. Well, I think what tripped him, verse six, they oppose themselves, comma, and then they blasphemed. Yeah. And they began to use blasphemy against the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. And I think what troubled Paul about it is he's been reasoning with them for three or four or five weeks in a place where people are supposed to be still and listen for God's voice. Right. It, it wasn't like on the street in the marketplace. He's in a place where you people come here every week. You claim you're coming here to hear from God. The Bible told you in the Old Testament, be still and know that I'm God. Amen. It says, when it comes to the house of the Lord, be more ready to hear than to make a sacrifice. Hear what God has to say. And I've been showing you for three or four weeks out of the scriptures that this Christ is Jesus and Jesus is that Christ. And now you're you're swearing and blaspheming it. That's I think Jesus told one of those guys once, shake the dust off your feet. Right? Yes, yes. Just shake the <laughs> dust off your sandals and move on uh, yeah. to the next town. Yeah. And, you know, Paul says here, he says, I am clean. And when I, when I read that, it reminds me of early in the book of Ezekiel. Yes. Right. In, in Ezekiel chapter three, um, looking at verse 17, back in the Old Testament, he says, son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. So God's telling Ezekiel, warn them. Absolutely. In right? verse 18, he says, Ezekiel 3.18, he says, When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou give, givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. So what God's saying in the Old Testament there is that you need to warn people when they're going the wrong way, yes. when they're following a false way. It's our job as Christians to warn them. In the Old Testament, it was the prophet's job. Yeah. So uh, anyways, Paul's saying, I'm going to go unto the Gentiles. And so there he goes. So let, let's uh, move on. We got verse uh, 7, let's say to 11. Okay. So here we are, Acts 18. In verse 7, it says, And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house, named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. Amen. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Yeah. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Amen. So a bunch of stuff going on there, I guess. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, uh, the Lord it just shows how God uh, looks down from on high. Well, one preacher said he, he sits high and he looks low. <laughs> and he's up there <laughs> and he's looking down on us. And he sees when there are people, for example, Crispus yes. in verse 8. Now, he had been the ruler in the synagogue. He had grown up with the Old Testament. 
Paul came in and was preaching out of the Old Testament. He's nodding his head. He's nodding his head. He's thinking. Paul's reasoning with him. And then Paul says, and by the way, that Messiah, Jesus is that Messiah. And Crispus believed. Amen. And and he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, was what implying there, with all his house. And he told his children. And uh, Justice, another man who worshiped God, I don't know if he was a Jew. He might have been one of those Gentiles. He worshiped God. His house joined heart of the synagogue. He said, hey, now that we found the truth, we're going back years ago before Christ, and all we have is the Old Testament. These Jews know the real God. Well, now I hear Jesus is the Christ. I, too, want to follow that. Amen. We're just about out of time at the first half. We're going to have a little station break, and we want you to come back with us and join because God is interested in you, listener, just as he was in those folks in Corinth. Stick around. We'll be right back in a moment with What is Truth. Amen. What is truth? What is truth? Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. Thank you for sticking around with us. We're right back at the second half of the show. We're uh, reading about when Paul was in the region of Greece at the uh, city named Corinth, a big harbor city with many people there. And God uh, spoke to him that night. Paul was probably a little afraid at one point because in verse six, when people are blaspheming and they're angry, he knew what happened a, a couple of chapters back. They, they sent people after him and stoned him. He's right. thinking, I don't, I don't need this anymore. And God says, you don't have to be afraid, Paul. Hold, don't hold your peace. Speak, meaning the truth. I am with thee. Uh, I'm not going to let any man hurt thee. I have much people in this city. I want to reach them with the gospel. God's desire is to get that gospel to hearts, one soul at a time. Amen. And he needs men to speak. Amen. And he's telling he's telling Paul not to be afraid. Right. And that, that's a general message through the scriptures that God's telling us all the time. Be not afraid. Fear not. Right? I'm with and, thee. Yeah. And, and speak. Right. Yep. Right. And and hold not thy peace. So these this is God's way of doing things, whether it's Paul or whether it's a Christian today. Same same sort of thing. And you know what's going to happen here because of the people. Now, he said, how long are we there? A year and six months. Yeah, a year and a half. A year and a half. OK. And what did he do? Verse 11. He was teaching the word of God. The most important thing for a minister to do is teach God's word. Amen. And what we're going to learn is a church is going to be birthed in Corinth. Yeah, and then he's going to write First and Second Corinthians. Yeah, and there was a lot of lessons to be learned in Corinth. I yep. mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there, things Amen. that needed correcting and stuff. One thing I'm noticing is that in uh, verse eight, where it says many of the Corinthians hearing believed, means they got saved. Yes, and, and salvation comes in a moment of time, like it says in Second Corinthians six six that there's a day of salvation. It's a day when you believe and that you receive the gospel message. They believed it, and sure. then after that first step, the second step was they were baptized, and that's how the Bible always has has it. First, you believe the gospel, step yes. one, and then step two, then you get baptized. And just like we saw back in what is it, the eighth chapter? Yes. When the, when the evangelist was speaking to that one man, I want to be baptized. He said, wait a second, verse 37, chapter 8, verse 37. First, tell me what you believe. I believe Jesus is the Christ. He's Amen. the Son of God. Okay, you can be baptized. Right. What if you don't confess that? 
no need to baptize you. You're just going to get wet. You might get a cold. I don't want to do that to you. But if you believe, then that's fine. Yeah. So faith is believing the gospel. Faith is not a water baptism. Sure. For with the heart, man believeth. Amen. Unto righteousness. That's what Paul would write in the great book of Romans. By the way, listener, if you know you are a Roman Catholic, and there are, there are so many Roman Catholic listeners, God would like you to look into the book of Romans. Amen. It's like he wrote it for you. And, and here it's in this book. God is uh, telling us what is the faith that we preach. It's the faith that if thou shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe he's the Lord, and believe in thine heart. God wants your heart, not your pocketbook, that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. It's a work of faith in the heart. Amen. Not just the head. No, it's in the heart. heart. God wants the heart. Amen. Um, In verse 10, it says here at the end of the verse, and it says, for I have much people in this city. God's saying that. And I've heard that with evangelical Christians, sometimes they get into uh, following some of the teachings of Calvin. And the Calvinists, they look <laughs> yeah. at this verse and they say, well, God says there's much people in this city, meaning that he predestined that he would have saved people, Christians in that city. But that doesn't hold water, that idea, because if you back up two verses, yeah. there were many Corinthians that hearing believed. Yes. So there were already believers in verse 8 before you even get to verse 10. Yes. So... And I'm sure God could see there were many more like that. The only thing keeping them from believing is they haven't heard. That's that's another thing Paul said in, in the 10th chapter of Romans. I told you about reading Romans. And he said, how shall they call on Jesus whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? I mean, God knows he has to send someone to preach. And there's there's Paul doing it. So he's saying, Paul, I've got people here. If you'll preach to them, there's many people. I can see their heart. They're going to open it to my son. Amen. So let's go on in the story. We've got uh, like verse 12 to 17, Acts 18, verse 12. Okay. And it says, and when Galeo was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul. Now, do you know where Achaia is? See, Corinth was a city and we'll call the county Achaia. Okay. Okay, that was the greater county. The county above Achaia was Macedonia. Macedonia. And so this is like the county or the region of Achaia. And and Galileo was the deputy. Maybe he was the deputy to the county commissioner or something. Yeah. Okay. And then I know that later in the story, down in verse uh, 17, there's uh, Sothenes. He okay. takes over as deputy of okay. that region later. But anyways, in verse 12... And when Galileo was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul, and they brought him to the judgment seat. Ah, they filed a small claims yeah. thing against him in civil court. Okay. <laughs> yes. And that's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. Taking, they're bringing him to civil court. Yeah. Like things don't change over time right. that much. So saying, this fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. Hmm. They mean like the Roman law. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth... Galileo said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, meaning Jewish law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Amen. So, <laughs> you know, this is a Jewish squabble. 
Right. He's saying, I'm not going to get involved with this. And, and, and I think, and, and I like this, and I wish this went on today in our courts, and I, and I hope it does. What Galeo, the a deputy, um, you're sitting as a judge that time, they come with a civil matter saying, look, we don't like this guy came into our synagogue. This guy is preaching in the streets that Jesus is the Christ. And he's telling men to worship God contrary to, and even if they meant the Jewish law, to our law, contrary to uh, Roman Catholic law, contrary to Episcopalian law, contrary to Erie County law. Uh, and, and the guy says, these are civil matters. Right. You're talking about a spiritual religious matter. This is not the forum for it. Get out of here. You want to talk about spiritual things? Go back to your synagogue and your church and talk about it. I'm not going to make judgment. There's a separation of church, church and, and state. state. Right. That's and, what he sees. And he's a deputy, <laughs> yes. so he's representing the state. He has no affair, no no uh, authority no, in the matters of, of the civil church. And criminal law here. Now, if it was lewd, if he had broken a window or did something like that, well, fine, you can bring him to me. But if he's just talking about words of he likes this Bible, you like that Koran, you guys can work this out outside there. Just don't get violent and and reason among yourselves. Yeah, yeah. There this you is go. a spiritual matter. And, and, you know, it got the people upset because in verse 17, <laughs> they didn't get what they wanted. It says, then all the Greeks, they took Sothenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him before the judgment seat. Yeah. And Galileo cared for none of those things. Now, that was where Galileo or Galileo made, made his mistake because that was, what do you call it, assault and battery. That is. And he's just assault and battery the guy <laughs> right. because he disagrees with you. Ah, I don't want to get involved in this. No, this is where you do get involved in it. Right. So uh, he made, he got one out of two right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody's perfect. And, you know, is that not the case that we've seen in our life where where it's it's hard to find consistent perfection of a judge or even a referee in a football game? I mean, you see sure. that there's the hypocrisy and there's contrary. The and way they conflict. enforce. Yes. Some things they enforce and some things and they, they don't they enforce. Turn a blind eye to. Yeah. yeah. So A perfect okay. example is like when I was a kid. I remember there was more enforcement on the 4th of July with people using fireworks. Oh, right, right. And nowadays it's like, oh, who cares? Who cares? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it might be a law, but we're not going to stop it. I don't care about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, verse 18, uh, go through a couple of verses here to 22. It says, and Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while. And so he stays in Corinth and stays continues. In and just says, oh, as long as they're beating up Sosthenes, they're not beating me up. No, I know that's not what he was saying. But yeah. I mean, I'm sure it bothered him, but he realized at least the chief judge isn't going to make a problem here. I don't have a problem with the civil authorities. I can continue to reach out for heart and souls. And to teach the word of God, which that, was really needed amen. in Corinth. Yes. Yeah. And it's needed here in Western New York, or it's yeah. needed in Florida, and it's needed in California. It's needed all over. Amen. It's the word of truth. Amen. So, and Paul, he, after this, he tarried there yet a good while, and then he took his leave of the brethren, and he sailed thence into Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centuria, for he had a vow. So it was Paul that sh he shaved his head. Yeah. Uh, That's like a Nazarite yeah. vow, I think he's taking from the Old Testament. And I think the reason Paul is doing this, he's going to tell us later, he wants to go back to Jerusalem. Yes. And, and in Jerusalem, a lot of the Jews who had not received that Jesus is the Christ, you know, he wants to go there and show them, here is the, the charge that was being made against Paul. They're saying, Paul, you grew up a Jew. And now all of a sudden, you, you're this born again Christian talking about Jesus. You can't be both. 
And what Paul is trying to say, I haven't renounced my Judaism. I'm still a Jew. Exactly. I'm just a Jew who believes in the Messiah. And let me show you how serious I am about my Judaism. So when you say, let me show you, yes. right? It reminds me of 1 Corinthians 9, 20. The Bible says, unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews there. to them that are That's under exactly the law. exactly what he was doing. Amen. Yeah. So he's trying to get them to understand. I still love Judaism. By the way, we should. Amen. God wrote 39 books of the Bible to the Jews, the oracles to the Jews. And he gave that beautiful system of worship to prepare them for the Messiah, not to hoard the system and exclude the Messiah and not let him in the door, but say, we built all of this for you so you could come and rightfully sit before us as the Messiah. Amen. And, and they got it wrong. And Paul's saying, no, I, I want us to get it right. When he knocks at the door, let's open the door to him. I don't, I personally, yeah. I personally don't understand Christians that try to avoid the Old Testament. I understand that they like the New Testament and the New Testament is inviting. Sure, I understand sure. that to a reader. But when I started reading the Bible 20 years ago or so, I really got interested in the Old Testament and the stories in the Old Testament and the foundational Absolutely. settings of the Old Testament. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example off the top of my head, but it's just there's wonderful stories in the Old Testament. Sure. David and Goliath. There's one. There, there's a picture uh, of a young man uh, showing how he's saying, I'm going to come to you, Goliath, in the name of the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. He came with the Lord. And what God is showing is, I can take out the giants that are troubling you in your life spiritually, the Amen. things that are bothering you. I'll do it in a picture here, but the picture I'm giving you is something that I can do in your life. You're, you're afraid of your boss. Well, you pray and I'll get a victory Amen. there, not by hurting your boss, but maybe the victory will win him to the Lord yeah. and he'll become your friend in the long run. We'll so God shows great pictures in the Old Testament. Well, I think of like Noah's Ark real quick. Another one? Good. I mean, Noah's Ark, Noah was warning and he was a preacher of righteousness talking about God's righteousness and that men are not righteous. And he's building this ark that God told him to build. And the invitation was to come to the ark. And if you come, you get saved. And if you don't, you're going to face. Safety. Amen. If you don't come, you're going to face God's wrath. Yes. And it's the same thing today. So, so the... All those oracles given to the Jews are, are wonderful and beautiful. And Paul said, I didn't throw that all away for Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he was born a Jew. It yes. was prophesied that he'd be the son of David. Amen. Yeah. And, and here in verse 19, and it says, and he came to Ephesus. So now he's traveling, right? Yes. He went from Corinth to Ephesus. Yes. And, and he Crosses left. back into Asia from Europe. Okay. Yep. And he left them there. But meaning he, meaning uh, Aquila and Priscilla. They yes. stayed behind there. Okay. Yep. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews once again. And when they desired to see him tarry, to tarry longer time with them, he consented not. So now this is in Ephesus, right? Correct. So he goes to Ephesus. and um, But he bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem. There you go. But I will return again unto you, if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. And verse 22, And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. Now, I want to pause there for a second. Now, you don't see it mentioned. You don't see it mentioned that he actually enters into Jerusalem in the scriptures right here. What do you see is that he's, he's saying with his mouth that he must go to Jerusalem. That's his plan. That's his plan. But if you look for the wording in the text that he 
goes to Jerusalem, you're not going to see that until six years later in Acts chapter 21, verse 14. Yes. But if you look closely right where we are, you'll notice that uh, in verse 22, there's a phrase, and gone up. Now, he landed at Caesarea. If you look on a map, Caesarea is close to Jerusalem. Yes. So he traveled a long way from Ephesus back to Caesarea. Once he got to Caesarea, it says, and he and gone up. What, what does that phrase mean a, in the Bible? I mean, going up to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was a high city, 2,700 feet. Amen. Going up always meant heading to Jerusalem. Amen. They used to sing the songs of degrees, go up, go up to Jerusalem. Amen. And so and there's so, where we went up. And so Amen. how would a person know that? You know that from simply reading. Absolutely. Yeah, because if you read the scriptures on a regular basis, you'll know that going up, God's referring to going up on Mount Zion, going yes. up to Jerusalem, going up to the feast. Up to the temple, up to the place where God is, climbing the mount where God is. Yes. Amen. Amen. You'll find it all through the Psalms and stuff. And uh, so he saluted the church and he went down to Antioch. And uh, verse so that, that means there was a church at Jerusalem. Yes. Those apostles that had stayed behind when everybody fled back in chapter seven or eight, I think it was eight. Yeah. Some of the apostles stayed behind there to take care of the church there. And Amen. there were still faithful believers in Jerusalem. Kind of like today, I'm thinking about it because we also know down the street in Jerusalem, there were people going to the temple, still yeah. keeping the Old Testament. And God wanted them to come to the New Testament in the church. And today in Jerusalem, you have a lot of rabbinical Jews, yes. Hasidic Jews, Orthodox Jews, keeping temple services in their synagogues. And we have born-again Christians like um, the Jewish Awareness Ministry right. has a place there in Jerusalem. And we want to... Jews for Jesus. Jews for Jesus. want to yeah. show them that... Uh, Jesus is their Messiah. Yeah. Amen. Well, even today, I mean, whether it's uh, back in Paul's time or our time, you can take them to Jeremiah 31, 31 and say, hey, look, God, the Old Testament God, back in the Old Testament with that Old Testament prophet Jeremiah is showing you there's a new covenant. And I'll, I'll write the law in your heart. It's an inner Amen. work, a new birth. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 23 here in Acts uh, 18, 23. It okay. says, and after he had spent some time there, he departed and he went over all the country of Galatia and Pergia in order, strengthening all the disciples. So so when we get to verse, what is it, 22, mm -hmm. where it ends with the one, two, three, four, five words, he went down to Antioch. That means he finished his second missionary journey. Exactly, and, yes. And now what we're seeing is after spending some time with them in verse 23, he went back over the country of Galatia, and Phrygia and the places where he had his first journey that we read about earlier in the book. And he was just confirming them in the faith and strengthening them like a traveling evangelist coming in and giving them a message. And so he's beginning his third and final yeah. missionary journey. And, and it's interesting that he's strengthening all the disciples. Amen. You know, it's not like he's feeding them oatmeal or whatever he's strengthening. He's strengthening them spiritually, well, Jesus, encouraging them. Jesus said to the a devil, when the devil was tempting him, he said, Man's not going to live just by bread alone. He's going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. That's what God told us. He'll give us the word to strengthen our inner man. Amen. So next couple of verses, and it's a new paragraph, and it says uh, back in Acts 18.24, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, he came to Ephesus. So this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and he taught diligently 
the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Mm-hmm. So here we have a guy that the Bible calls a certain Jew. Yes. Now, I looked into this a little bit, and I noticed that when Paul, who used to be Saul, in Acts chapter 9, where he was on the road to Damascus and he got saved, right, never refers to him as a Jew anymore after that. He got saved. Right. And so I have to wonder, I don't know for sure, but I have to wonder if Apollos was maybe not saved at this point. Well, when it says he's mighty in the scriptures, if he's a Jew, he's mighty in the Jewish scriptures. Amen. He's mighty in in what they call the Tanakh, the law and the prophets and the writings that Jesus talked about back in uh, Luke 24, trying to show his disciples What's written in the law and the prophets in the psalm is about me coming. What's written in the Old Testament is preparing you for the New Testament. What's uh, concealed in the Old Testament is now revealed in me in the New Testament. And this young man growing up probably was born in Alexandria. So if he grew up around there, there was a good synagogue in Alexandria where there were a lot of Jewish people. And he grew up learning the Old Testament scriptures. In a a liberal way. Meaning like Alexandria was a... uh, it was a city where they had, you know, kind of comparable to like Harvard or Yale or Cornell or, sure. you know, some of those types well, of schools. I, I mean, I, there's no doubt that Alexandria is connected with liberalism. I don't know if Apollos himself was a liberal. I don't know. I think that he was just someone who was mighty in the scriptures. Most liberals don't get mighty in the scriptures. <laughs> so so <laughs> that I, is I, think true. He, I think he was a serious Jew living in a, 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 a for example, we have a, there's a good young man uh, living uh, in Berkeley, California by the name of Gene Kim. Mm. Okay. And he's growing up in Berkeley, California. That's a liberal area. Very. And yet there is a Bible believing church there that he went to and he became mighty in the scriptures Amen. in a liberal area. That's a good there, point. There's a good uh, church uh, in Boston near Harvard where Manny attended when he was at MIT. Mm. So it is possible for someone to grow up in a liberal place and yet God's goodness, he plants in there one little place where you can go. Amen. But the thing about Apollos, because he was so far from what had happened in Jerusalem, he hadn't been instructed in the way of Jesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord of the Old Testament. He was fervent in the spirit about the law of the Old Testament. He taught diligently the things of the Lord from the Old Testament, and he was like John the Baptist before Jesus came. John the Baptist was out there preaching the baptism of repentance. I think what Apollos was seeing, I'm just, I'm trying to put this together. He's growing up in Alexandria. It's all liberal. He goes to the synagogue. Most of the Jews in the synagogue or a number of them are getting kind of liberal because they're living in Alexandria. He's a young man fervent in the spirit going, no, we, we need to repent. We can't be liberal like this anymore. Uh, John said, repent, repent. The kingdom is at hand. But he didn't know the kingdom had arrived yet. And someone's going to show him in a few minutes. Amen. And, and that's, I think, what happened to him. Yeah, almost like he, he's almost following in John the Baptist's footsteps. Yeah. Right? And I'm looking in the beginning of Mark's gospel, chapter 1, and there was a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Right? And John did baptize in the wilderness, preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. But then later, a couple of verses later in Mark 1, 8, he says, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And, and even John himself, I mean, he's fervent in the spirit. He's preaching about uh, 
we need to repent. I mean, he was looking at Jerusalem at the time, you know, 30 AD before Jesus starts his ministry and going, it's a mess down here. Yeah. I mean, it's it, we're, we're not doing anything. We've gotten so used to the Roman culture. We're living like Romans. We're walking like an Egyptian. We're not yeah. acting like Jews anymore. We need to repent. And then uh, John said one day, uh, I, I knew I knew the Messiah not. I was just told that he would be made manifest to Israel if I come preaching and baptizing with water. And then one day I went to baptize him and I knew him not. And when he came up out of the water, the spirit descended on and landed on him. And I said, oh my goodness, this is the son of God. And so here's what I think is God's trying to show us through John the Baptist and through this man, Apollos. If you have someone that is fervently believing a part of the Bible, when God shows him another part of the scriptures, he's not going to blaspheme and argue and oppose it. He's going to receive it. Amen. He only knew as little as he knew. So so continue. What happens yes. to him? Well, I just want to say like oh. in Mark 1, 8, when he says, most people, as soon as they hear the word baptism, they, they think, think water, water yeah. immediately. <laughs> right. Baptism, water. But yes. right here in Mark 1, 8, I, he says, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That's another kind of baptism. That's the and spiritual. That's Amen. a spiritual and Amen. better. And then it's mentioned again in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, for John, true Truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Amen. And how does that happen? And, and Jesus, that was Jesus speaking. Words are read. Yes. That's right. And that happens by the new birth, believing, by believing the gospel. on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes. So, so here's this guy, Apollos. He's fervent for Old Testament Judaism. He wants to get people to repent. And verse 26, and he was speaking boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they, they, they probably said to each other, this, this guy loves the Old Testament teaching. He doesn't know about the Lord. They took him and they expounded him the way of God more perfectly. Amen. And they probably told him, well, let me tell you about a man that lived in Nazareth. Back then, they didn't have teletype. They right. didn't have cell phones. He's growing up in Alexandria. That's how many? A thousand miles away. He doesn't know. Wow. <laughs> right. And so then, yeah. And then verse 27, and when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. Receive him. Who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Now, consider this. In 26, he's... In verse 25, he's teaching the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Correct. But by the end of the chapter, he is mightily convincing the Jews showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. His preaching changed. Now, Stan Telchin, uh, you talked about Jews for Jesus. The name escapes me of the guy that started Rosen. Rosen was the guy that started it. You'll hear testimonies of Jews who were fervent for Judaism, but they didn't know Jesus was the Messiah. They were just fervent for their Judaism. And when somebody shows them Jesus is the Messiah, they get convinced zealous. and they get zealous and they're public and they then are be able to show things in the scriptures. Here's Jesus. I, I was reading those for years. I didn't see him, but now my eyes have been opened and I see it and they can show those Jews can teach us the Bible. Amen. Better than we can because we're a couple of Gentiles. I didn't grow up with the Bible. Amen. I'm thinking of the singer, you know, Marty Getz. <laughs> right. I mean, he was a Jew, but he was lost. And when he found out about Jesus and, and got saved, it really, 
you know, it, it opened his heart. Like for, for you and me, I never sat at a Passover meal growing up. Did you? No. Okay. But they did. Yeah. And so if they're like Apollos and they're fervent about the things of the Lord, it says they're fervent in the way of the Lord and the Passover, but they're just going through the motions. And then someone shows them Jesus is in the Passover. Then they can mightily convince people of all those things. That's what happens. Amen. And, and people should look into the scriptures today. And like you said, and you've said this numerous times lately about the book of Romans. I mean, I grew up Roman Catholic. Yes. And I remember the first time when I read the book of Romans, there was a lot of stuff in there that seemed confusing to me. But when I, when I took the time to actually ask God to forgive my sins, yes, right, and, and trust in him and his work on the cross and yes. his shed blood for my sins, after that, after I got saved, then I went back again to the book of Romans and it was like a whole different book. And the book of Romans really is for us today, right here, right now. It's, it's yeah. like you said, it's sort of like the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Yes. Jesus used that over and over again, and we ought to go to the book of Romans. Yes, I, I, we used to pray that prayer, open thou mine eyes, Lord, that I may behold the wondrous things out of thy law, out of thy word. And that's what happens. Amen. I mean, and, 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 and oh boy, we're running out of time right here. <laughs> it was a good program. Acts chapter 18. Uh, uh, join us next week for the 19th chapter and uh, go to the website, Grace and Truth Church. Spell that out one long word, graceandtruthchurch.org. Click the sermons tab, click the YouTube. You can listen to the old programs. And until we meet again next week, may God bless your week and do like Jesus said. Search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. You've been listening to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Listen every weekend at this time for What is Truth? Only on WECK.